From years of anxiety to warrior and mentor, Bradley Robinson created the Anxiety Project to help you end your anxiety naturally. Let's mold the new you and let's end anxiety together. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Anxiety Project podcast. Today on episode 269, let's explore existentialism, why this pertains to your anxiety and really the human condition. I mean, this is a must know. But before we dive in, I want to go over some of your comments. I haven't done this in a while. Some of your comments on the channel, starting with Sharon from Australia. She says, thank you for the videos on depersonalization. This was something I was battling in 2023. You made things so clear to me, and I am so grateful. I've watched those videos countless of times, and now I am on the way out of suffering. Thank you. Thank you for that comment, and thank you for watching and listening in Australia. The next one is from Darren. He's actually from Canada. Hello, Darren. Hello, fellow Canadian. He says, I've, I'm now on day 10 of NoFap. Congratulations, Darren. That is major. But what's also awesome about Darren's story is that he says that he's been fapping and watching pornography every single day for the last 10 years and now going 10 days he says, I am breaking through to this other side, a side that I didn't see myself in for the longest time. And, well, Darren, that's awesome, man. Congratulations. Keep pushing yourself. Keep going. It's just the beginning. You're going to fail. You're going to relapse. But that's part of the journey because when I would relapse, it was this eye-opening experience of where I don't want to be. I don't want to feel the way I'm feeling after I'm watching, after I'm fapping. And so that's great. Keep going. You've already made a breakthrough. Keep stumbling forward. Keep failing forward and keep, well, seeking out those breakthroughs. The next one comes from Jeremy. He is from Texas. Well, hello, Jeremy. Hello, hello. He says, I am so grateful for the videos on health anxiety. Health anxiety was a part of my life for six years, and that's a long time. And now I better understand myself and the anxiety and I'm so grateful for your content, Brad. Thank you for everything. Thank you, Jeremy, for leaving that and sharing that. And um, if you want to leave a comment, do you know where the channel is? You're probably watching on the channel right now. Leave your comments below. Share your story because people are going to read your story and resonate with your story because people suffer so often from health, anxiety, and anxiety. At some point in 
your life, you will suffer from anxiety. I believe that to be true for everybody. It's so common. So that's why I really want to grow this community because we're all going to go through this at one point or another. We're going to battle through something extremely difficult and we need the knowledge and we need the resources within us and other people to help us through the sludge. So thank you everyone for being here and leaving your comments and leaving your stories. I really appreciate it. And now let's dive into this podcast on existentialism because this is really interesting. You have to know this. I mean, this is this blew me away when I began to study in this field. And so we are surrounded by so much of what we don't understand, an ocean of what we don't understand with very little an island of what we do understand, of what's familiar to us. And that is the walled garden we inhabit. We we establish walls and boundaries and a familiar territory. And outside of that is the unknown. It's the darkness outside of the lit fire of the small tribe within the forest of the unknown where the predatory entities lurked and waited for us, waited for us to be vulnerable, waited for us to venture into their territory so that they can, well, feed off of us human beings. I mean, we've developed this alert state over time over our evolution to traverse the unknown so the garden is what's safe and familiar it's the light in the middle of our tribe in our village and when this walled garden is punctuated by life's disturbances so the snake that's a a great symbol for life's disturbances we are in this hyper alert state and it makes sense because we have to respond to the unknown and we continuously shape our world so that we inhabit a walled place of predictability we need a place of predictability predictability because too much unknown is not good for us and Too much certainty is not good for us. We need that mediation between what's familiar and what's uncertain. Because with what's uncertain, we gather information. We actually become stronger mentally and physically because of the unknown. We gather the information that is lurking in the unknown. That's where the potential lies. And we share that with the community. That's the hero story. The bigger the dragon you slay, the more gold it's hoarding. And so what's so interesting about this walled place of predictability is that when our desires are being met, that's good for us. It regulates our emotions, right? But you take a rat out of its familiar territory, out of one place and put it into a new environment. You put it into a a new cage. What happens is it will explore the cage rigorously until it becomes familiar with the cage and then it can finally calm down. And then if you pair that with electric shock, once the rat finally calms down, 
and you shock that rat, the rat is immediately reminded of the unpredictability of life and that it awakens and it becomes alert once again. And so what's so interesting about this is that the rat realizes it's not in a place that it thought it was in. It, it wasn't familiar. It, it thought it was in a familiar place, but it's actually, I'm not in a familiar place. I'm not in a place that I thought I was in. And it's re immediately reminded of its existence, right? And that is existential philosophy at its core. We're surrounded by an infinite ocean of what we don't understand. We do what we can to buttress ourselves from the infinite complexity into familiar territories, into a place of that's a walled garden. And periodically in our life, we are reminded of how vulnerable, how fallible we are when those snakes emerge in our life. Could be a job change, it could be moving, it could be uh, the birth of a child, it could be the illness of someone close to you, it could be the death of a loved one, it could be a symptom that within your body that is unfamiliar and it startles you, right? It's this, these, it's, life is predictability punctuated by the uncertainty, right? But we do, we can't. And the more unpredictability one experiences, the more anxiety and chaos one experiences, right? And a lot of people who come to coaching are contending with many complexities all at one time, and they can't get a grip over them. They can't formulate a way out of that, and so they need help with that. So does the story of the rat being shocked and being reminded of its existence in uh, the world of the unknown, in the infinite complexity of the world, doesn't that remind you of health anxiety? The unknown of the symptom being a reminder of your own mortality, of how com complex in the world and unknown the world really is. And so the anxiety, the obsessing and rumination of the complexity is our or is our organic exploratory action response to the unknown its end goal being to settle down to calm down to relax we want that but someone dealing with a lot of anxiety they're continuously in a world of the unknown they're waking up at 1 a.m with the monsters of their existence plaguing them. It makes sense. It makes a load of sense. I always love to use this metaphor. I can't get enough of this because it's so true. Try going to bed at night knowing that there's a live snake behind your refrigerator. You're not going to bed at night when you know that's there. Until you get rid of the damn snake, then you can finally calm down and get a good night's rest. In one of my favorite books of all time, Dostoevsky's Crime and Punishment, I highly recommend this book. I, it's my favorite book ever. 
And this book explores the character Raskolnikov's descent into the underworld of anxiety through a moral decision he deemed to be true. Now, this decision was a result of weeks, days and weeks of contemplating this pawnbroker, this old lady, who's not doing the world any good whatsoever. I mean, she is a wretched old lady. And Raskolnikov decides that, hey, I have all this justification to why I should kill this pawnbroker. I mean, the world is going to end up being a better place. I'm actually doing community, this community a favor by killing her. And he convinces himself that this is a justified moral deed. And so what's so interesting is that he does kill her, but he turns into a different person once he does. And that's the beauty of this story. His conscience tortures him for what he did. And he can't believe what he did. A lot of people who suffer from PTSD, they, they go through this very same thing. And this is what it is. They do something that they can't believe that they did, and then they, they fall into PTSD and depersonalization where they become so detached from who they thought they were. They don't even know who they are anymore. And that's the descent into the belly of the whale. That's the descent into complete chaos. And so the outcome of Raskolnikov's actions was nothing like he imagined. Nothing at all. Right? That's being in a that's being in the complete unknown. So the book explores his wrestling with his conscience and how one can reemerge from the belly of the unknown, the belly of the whale. Raskolnikov's frame of operating in the world was completely shattered, it was completely broken apart because what he expected to happen and the outcome were completely different. He fell into complete chaos into depersonalization. I'm, I'm so far from what I thought to be true that I don't know where I am right now. And so people experience that all the time when they cheat on someone or when they lie. And if the lie is significant enough, they fall into depersonalization or a lot of soldiers experience this going into battle. I mean... When you, when it's the confrontation of the shadow, right? It's and it shocks your you to your core, and it's the unexpected confrontation of the shadow. That's what gets you. And so the snake, which is a great symbol of the unknown, because it awakes you, right? It the snake slithering into the walled garden is the symbol of the unknown. It's, it's the symbol of what you know and what you don't know at the same time. And because the snake 
Well, it awakens you when it's around because you got to pay attention to it. And partly it's because it can bite you because you've, you know that maybe you've got, maybe you were bitten before, but also, you know, someone else who was bitten by that. So you're awakened to that, right? And, you know, it's, and it's foreign to you, right? Maybe you have, you've never seen a snake before. So if it's something foreign, it's like, pay attention to it because you don't understand it. And it's random. That's another thing. It's, it's acting randomly. It's an, it's not another human that you can sort of predict, right? A human being could, because you're a human, you, you kind of understand that you kind of understand how you act. So you, you view the other human being as somebody who is predictable in that manner. But the more unhuman the entity is, the more unpredictable and foreign it is to you. And you don't know how, what it's going to do or what it's capable of. So you're going to pay attention to it. You got to study it in order to make sense of that makes sense, right? And you don't want to be around someone who is random. And you know that too, because you're walking down the street and you see a homeless person spouting things off into the sky and they're waving their arms around randomly and you walk around them and you avoid, you give them as much distance as possible because you don't know what they're going to do. They're too random in their behavior and God only knows what they're going to do next. And you don't want, it's too unpredictable for your safeguarded frame that you're inhabiting, right? And so Jordan Peterson says, it's the match between your beliefs and the actions of others that regulate your emotions, just think about that for a second here. What you want to have happen and how the world presents itself regulates your emotions. So you're in a classroom of people, you know, everyone's acting the same way. Everyone's sitting there paying attention. But if somebody gets up and starts waving their arms and acting deranged, then you're going to go, I'm not in the place I thought I was in because that person is not playing the social game of sitting and playing student, right? They're, they're acting randomly. And so everything that you've been paying attention before is irrelevant and what's unpredictable and random in your immediate surrounding is now relevant until that randomness is, is gone. And so then you can go back to your goal-directed behavior and continue on. If the anomaly is significant enough then the known territory you inhabit becomes the unknown very, very rapidly. So when you place yourself above society and when you place yourself above God, like Raskolnikov did, 
and you feed your irrational justifications for your actions, then expect hell to be a stone's throw away from you. It's right around the corner. Because Raskolnikov viewed himself as more of hyper-intellect above society. And he was feeding his ego. He was feeding his desires. Right? He was a starving university student. Didn't have much going for him. He spent a lot of time alone, just thinking about things. And he wasn't happy about how things were. He wasn't happy about how society was being run. He wasn't happy about him and in his situation. And so he was feeding bitterness. He was trying to find meaning in his life, but he was finding meaning in the wrong way. And so it's similar to an obese person. And this is really interesting because an obese person is contending with many autoimmune problems, right? They have a lot of issues, maybe gout, joint inflammation, um, rashes, you know, there's a lot of things that they can contend with. I mean, th there's a, an extensive list. And then it's hard for them to get around. It's hard for them to get up stairs, hard for them to get up from a couch. And, you know, all the emotional fluctuations. But compare that to someone lean and healthy who goes to the gym, who eats strictly and cleanly. They make the right sacrifices to keep the snakes at bay. So the other person, they're not making the big enough sacrifices that they need to make, and thus many snakes, which are, you know, what, like I just listed, like the autoimmune problems, all of these things are stacked high up. And so now when another novelty presents itself to someone like that, it'll take them out because there's just too many snakes already in their immediate surroundings as it is they they can't deal with it so someone who's fit and has everything as orderly as they can make it when a snake does pop in they're more able to prevail and conquer that snake they're just more likely to win that battle when you deprive yourself of optimal challenge and when you deprive yourself of optimal health you resort to unnatural coping methods it's like taking a rat from its natural environment because it's very hard to make a rat addicted to cocaine in its natural environment when it's out with its friends and family and it's doing what rats do it's very, very difficult. But when you isolate a rat and put it in a cage, it becomes easily addicted to cocaine. And that's very interesting. Think about a human being who's deprived of nature, who's deprived of social gatherings and relationships and uh, natural foods, optimal challenge. They will resort to Things like video games, social media, sugary substances, drugs, alcohol. And we're living in a culture where we're seeing that to be true more than ever. We need optimal challenge. 
we need we need an optimal challenge. We are sled dogs after all. We need to have a load to carry. And then the normal for these people who are, are addicted to sex and gambling and alcohol and drugs, their normal is a series of elevated reward blasts. And when somebody goes one day or two days without that reward blast, there's strong withdrawals as a result. And I really love existentialism. I think this, I can't relate this more enough to what I was going through with anxiety because I was in, I had many snakes around me. I was like that obese person. Well, I wasn't obese, but I was struggling with other things. I was struggling with sex, pornography, drugs, negative friends, meaninglessness, social anxiety, and the snakes were piled high. And when another snake slithered into my existence, I couldn't handle it. I was overwhelmed. I would result to my family for help, reassurance seeking. But once I decided to bear the load of the, the and the responsibility of recovering and being independent, things began to change for me. And, and the chaos of that uncertainty started to shrink and I was establishing more of a walled garden where I was now regulating my emotions and no longer in complete anxiety mode because being in the unknown continuously every single day, it, good luck because your body's burning up so many resources to contend and to be alert in the unknown. And that's where I'm going to leave you today on this podcast episode. Thank you everyone for being here. Let me know what you think of this episode. Please leave your comments below. Rise above anxiety. I'll see you next time. Brad's Powerful Anxiety Recovery Program is now available at unpluganxiety.com. The Anxiety Project Program is downloadable and puts the power of anxiety recovery in your own hands. Visit unpluganxiety.com for more details. Recovery.